So um, we're going to start a brand new series today, and and, uh, and so I'm I'm titling this series. It's called "Here's the Thing," and I love that title because I can talk about pretty much anything, because uh, it's a big umbrella. Here's the thing, and, and so I'm very excited about it. But really, underneath everything that we're going to talk about in this series will be this theme. Uh, and it's not your notes this week, but we've talked about it um, just before Easter. I was talking about it. This verse that's kind of. I'm really sort of spending some time with. It's Romans 14, 17. Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's something about that, you know, Paul's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we should be experiencing this in our lives, the the peace and the joy of the Lord in our lives at some level. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through stuff, but... That's something as a believer we should we should have sort of at the foundation of our lives. And there's a lot of stuff trying to steal that from us. So I thought we would sort of do a series and look at some of those things and we'll press in to that whole issue together. That's the intro transition. Always a bad joke here to, oh, my wife. Um, for Easter, she, she bought me a baby chick. And I, I said, why a baby chick? And she said it was going cheap. <laughs> so she didn't really get me a baby chick. Hey, a couple was arguing on the stairs when all of a sudden they, they started moving. Things escalated quickly. Yeah, that's really bad, I know. Mark 10, here's the Scripture reading. Hallelujah. Verse 46 and following. Uh, then they came to Jericho. And as Jesus and His disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped up to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So we're going to use that passage today to talk about some things and really um, to to sort of at the end of this thing um, help us with some questions that I want you to be thinking about this week and as we press on to this series. But let's dig in. Point number one, here's the thing. Here's the thing. So what exactly is the thing? And And... Here's the thing, there, there is no specific thing. Uh, according to Oxford Idioms Dictionary for Learners of English, which is an actual thing, uh, the thing is just a way to introduce an important fact, reason, or explanation. So that's why I like it. And you, you may not realize how often we're, we say, well, here's the thing, uh, in the midst of conversation, but it happens quite a bit. Um, not long ago, and what sort of stirred me into all of this, I walked out into the kitchen area, and two of the, two of the guys here on that, that help us all the time, we're out there having a discussion, Pastor Fran and Chaplain Rico. They also both happen to be from New Jersey. Uh, that's cool. But their conversation now, you have to sort of understand that was going on. So I walk out, and this is what I hear. I hear Rico say to Fran, you know, the thing. And I hear Fran say to Rico, and this is in the, you can go ask him, the thing? And, and Rico says, you know, the thing and the thing. And Fran went, oh, the thing. And that was the sum total of their conversation. I promise you, that's what happened. And I'm looking at them like, what? Nothing got resolved. 
But they were quite content. They had themselves figured out. So that's the thing. And so I was thinking about that. And, and so I, I have this thought that most people that, that are coming to church, they really sort of want to follow Jesus. They want to do the Jesus thing. But when you talk uh, to a lot of folks, most folks, uh, if they're honest, most folks, I think, they would say, you know, I really want that, that life and I want to follow Jesus and I'm uh, all in. But there's this thing in my life that keeps getting in the way. If I could just get rid of this thing, then I, I think I could really experience that life. And so what I want to do in this series is talk about how we have Jesus help us with that thing or things that are keeping us from really plugging in, following Jesus, knowing the peace and the joy of the Holy Spirit, kingdom of God, all that stuff. Two points I, I need to make right up front here. And so number A, or letter A, sorry, number A. The thing that we think is the thing is usually not the thing. Write that down. And then little letter B, it's the thing behind the thing. That's usually the thing. So if you're confused, I'm sorry, but we'll clear it up. So so I want you to think about that. So the thing that we think is the thing that's keeping us, it's usually not the thing at all. It's actually something behind that thing that's the real thing. And that's what we need to get Jesus to, to help us with in our lives. And so, you know, to make that simple, we kind of tend to deal with symptoms, not causes. Um, we, we, we try and deal with, you know, the, the surface stuff instead of going down deep where things can actually change and where we need Jesus to get to the root of situations so that we can experience life. But we, we want quick fixes most of the time, and that's keeping us sidetracked from really digging into the life that we have. So what I want to do is we're going to come up with these questions at the end, but we're going to use that passage of Scripture that I read to you in Mark 10 to really help us with that. But but we need to set that up a little bit. And, you know, if you're here at all, you know, listen to me. I always say you've got to read things in context. And when you read through the Gospels, there's a lot of stuff going on. And the, the writers of the Gospels, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, are trying to teach us a lot of things. So there's a lot of complexity of things happening. We tend to read at a very surface level, and we miss all sorts of stuff that's going on. So I want to go back just a little bit into Mark 9 to an event that leads up to what I'm going to talk to you about in, in Mark 10, all right? So back in Mark chapter 9, verse 2, it says this, After six days, Jesus took Peter and James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. And there he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared, appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He, he didn't know what to say, so frightened. And then a cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So, so this sets up what we're going to talk about today. So here's what's going on. Uh, Jesus um, goes up on a mountain. He takes with him Peter, James, and John. We call this the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and the three disciples that are with him get to see Jesus transfigured. What does that mean? Well, his, his personal appearance changes before them. He, he, he ultimately, he becomes glorious in their sight. Uh, his clothing becomes dazzling white. And, and so this amazing thing happens. And they're dealing with that. They're trying to. Imagine how you would feel. And then all of a sudden, there's also there before them on this mountain, Moses and Elijah. It's a lot to take in to the point where Peter's just, he doesn't know what to say. He's like, uh, um, we're going to put some tents up for you guys, I guess. Um, so it's kind of funny when you think about it. But 
But this is all happening before them. Now, what you need to think about there is Moses and Elijah, Mark's got them in there for something, and the Holy Spirit's reminding everybody of this, is that they represent something. And what they represent is the law and the prophets. Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets. So, so you have that happening. And then you have the voice of God speaking into it, saying, this is my son, listen to him. So, and so basically what's going on is, is God is saying this, listen, everything that you know about from the law and the prophets, that's happening in Jesus. So you need to listen to him. It's all being fulfilled in Jesus. And, and, and so the disciples hear that and they're, they're told to listen to Jesus. Now, all that sort of goes away and they start heading down the mountain. Jesus starts talking to his disciples. You know what he tells them? He says, listen, hey, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And guess what? They don't listen to Jesus. Pretty amazing. You would think after all of that, they'd be really tuned in, but but they're not uh, really listening to what he has to say because we have a tendency to only hear what we want to hear. And we sort of have a tendency to want what we want and see what we want to see and all those things. Um, this week, Alice and I went one night and uh, one day and we picked up three of the grandkids from school. Uh, I have seven grandchildren and I don't, you know, I, I want to make sure I never embarrass them, but they, they make some great sermon fodder. So uh, I won't name them. But let me do, and there's seven, so you don't have to figure it out and try not to. But we pick up three of them from school, and we're having a conversation. Well, the youngest of the three that we have, um, her, her, she's not as, as good at speaking yet as the other two that were in the car, but she speaks fine. You just have to listen. And, and, uh, uh, she was, uh, trying to, and she has trouble, because they're, the both are big talkers, the other two, so she has trouble getting her little voice heard, but she finally got her voice heard, and she said, oh, my, my birthday's coming. Her birthday's in July. She has the next birthday in this family that she's in where there's five of those kids. I've already given away the family, but nonetheless. So, so she's having to learn to, to be heard, right? And she, so she gets this little break in the conversation. Oh, my birthday's coming up. So hers is the next birthday in, in the process. When, so she wants to talk about her birthday party a little bit, but the, the, the next one in line, her birthday's in August. She wants to immediately switch the subject to her birthday. Oh, yeah, but in August, it's my birthday, and then this is going to be my party. And the first one's like, no, no, my party. No, it's my party. And and there starts to be this breakdown in the back. So Nana fortunately steps in, hands the youngest one a Twix bar, and everything's okay again. The fastest Twix bar in the West. Boom, there it goes. Well, I was laughing, and we were laughing about that because, see, the whole thing is we, we kind of want to hear what we want to hear, and we want it to be about us. If you're a little kid, it's about your birthday, it's about group. We want it to be... Well, the disciples... They spent all this time with Jesus. They watched him do all these things and heal all these people. And they know how powerful he is. Now they've seen him transfigured. And they're like, oh, he's going to overthrow the Romans. That's all they really want. They want everything set back to the way it was, you know, and Israel to be restored. And they're going to be the main guys. That's all they can think about. And that's the word that's getting around. That's why there's crowds everywhere. They just want Jesus to come and take care of the Romans and get them out of the way. But Jesus is heading to Jerusalem and he's telling them, no, I'm going to go there and I'm going to die and they won't hear it at all. So now, Jericho is on the way. Verse 46, they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, we might just kind of cruise through a passage like that, but you need to be asking yourself, what in the world is sort of Mark trying to show me here in this? Why is God having him write it this way? And the thing that you should see is, well, the disciples aren't really seeing clearly what's going on and they're not listening well to what's happening. Um, 
So is it possible that in this story, the person who's seeing the best is the blind guy? Because that's sort of what it looks like. Because, you know, if you, if you go back, I, I'd encourage you to go back and read Mark 9 this week and Mark 10. The disciples, you know, to, all they care about is like who, that Jesus is going to Rome and setting things up. And so they're arguing like, like, you know, hey, Jesus, we want to sit at the right hand and your left hand when you come into your glory. They ask him that. You've probably read that story. And uh, they're thinking about him overthrowing the Romans. But Jesus says, that's not for you. My father's prepared that place. But, but he says, you couldn't handle that anyway. And those places have been prepared by my father. But you know what Jesus is talking about? He's still on track. He's still on theme. He's talking about the crucifixion. Because there's going to be somebody at his right and at his left that the Father has picked out. And, and he says to his guys, you have no clue what you're talking about. And see, sometimes we go through the Scriptures so fast, we miss all these things. Jesus is staying on track. I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die. Those people have been picked out. It's not you. That's not what you think is glory. But glory really is happening me going through the cross and dying for you in the process. So these things are going on. And this whole thing, all right? So, so Jesus is there, big crowds, all of them thinking, including the disciples, he's coming to overthrow the Romans. That's why he's going to Jerusalem. But that's not, except for the blind guy, who's the only guy who gets it. Verse 47, when he hears it was Jesus of Nazareth, he begins to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Significant, because son of David, he's tying Jesus into the lineage of Messiah. He gets it. And what's he asking for? Mercy. He's not saying, go and overthrow the Romans for me. I need you. Jesus. And so he's crying out to Jesus. And, and he's just saying it really loud. The crowd tries to keep him quiet. Verse 48. Many rebuked him, told him to be quiet. He shouts all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's significant. We'll come back to that too at the end of the questions. Because the, the, the people that are telling him to be quiet would be the people who were sort of supporting him. Uh, because they would be the normal people in town who were helping him when he was by the side of the road. And when he needed a little something, they would occasionally... Help him in the process. So, you know, his thought might be, I should really be quiet because I'm going to mess up my whole support deal here. But he just, he wants Jesus more than anything. So he keeps shouting out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And, and I, I love verse 49. Jesus stops everything. That's what Jesus does. He calls him. He says, come on. And so the crowd says, hey, you, Jesus is calling you. Go. And Bartimaeus goes up to Jesus. Now, this is huge. Verse 51. Because what Jesus asked him, this question is so significant. He says this, what do you want me to do for you? Now, you might think, come on, Jesus, it's obvious what this guy wants. He wants to see. You know, he wants you to do that thing where you get some mud and spit in it and rub it on his eyes, tell him to go to the pool, boom, he sees. Everything is good. That's what he's looking for. Obvious. Why are you asking that question? Well, see, the thing is, Bartimaeus has a life. And it's at some level, it's what he does, right? That's what he's used to. It's familiar. He goes and he begs. He, he would have people that sort of uh, societally would have taken care of him. They would probably put him out there in the daytime. They'd go and collect him at night and bring him back to their homes and, and make sure he had something to eat, somewhere to sleep. He would give them a little rent money uh, to help with things, and then they would make sure he was back there the next day. That's what he did. That was his life. So So he has to think about that. If all of a sudden he can see, everything's going to change because that whole deal is going to go away. He's probably going to have to go and work somewhere. Maybe he doesn't have any skills. Who knows? There's a lot of questions going on here that sort of need to be raised. And so Jesus is letting him think about it. What is it that you want me to do for you? Because Jesus won't just step in and start arbitrarily fixing stuff if you're not ready for it because it'll just make it worse, not better. And so these are the things that are going on. He says, well, what do you want me to do? 
We're going to talk about that a little more in a minute too. And Bartimaeus says at the end of verse 51, I want to see. I've thought about it. Whatever it takes, whatever it is, I've been crying out for you and your mercy. I want to see. And verse 52, Go says, Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Great story. All sorts of things going on in there. And really, if, if you ever wonder what to do next, just follow Jesus. He was already on the right track. All right? And he's the only one who's got a clue about really what's going on. Pretty significant in the whole process. So, this story raises questions. That's point number two. The questions we need to ask. And so, what do you want me to do is what Jesus asks. And he asks us, he wants us to think about it. And so we have to think about these questions. A, um, do we really want to get rid of the problem that's going on? The thing, whatever it is. Do we really want to get rid of it? Or... Do we just want to be more comfortable in it? See, and a lot of people are like, ah, you know, the problem is what it is. Could you just make me more comfortable so it's a little more tolerable? Like, like Bartimaeus could have said, yeah, I'm dealing okay with the blindness. Could you give me a little cash? Or could you give me a better place to live? Or whatever. I can deal with this. But that's not where he goes. Well, we need to ask, you know, are we really, you know, do we want to fix it? Do we want Jesus to fix it? Do we want to deal with the problem? That's the first thing we ask. Second, are we then willing to do what it takes? Because it's, there's always going to be obstacles when we're starting to move in the right direction and we start pressing the things that we need to do. And we kind of tend to want things really quick. But are we willing to do? Bartimaeus was willing to shout and continue to shout even though the, his sort of support system was telling him to be quiet. Um, but he wanted life. And so he just did what it needed and he pressed into it. And we have to talk about that. See. Are we willing to let Jesus get to the root of the problem? This is a big one. Because we can't get to it in our own strength. I ran a Facebook ad this week, and on it there was somebody peeling an onion. I said, if you want to know what's going on, you need to come to church. And it's sort of a picture of layers being peeled away. See, that's what needs to happen in this life. In order to get down to the root of things, we have to have some layers peeled away in the process. Uh, there's a story. I'm going to summarize it here for you. I'll, I'll probably write about it this week and put it on the website. But it's a uh, by C.S. Lewis. Uh, it's in the Chronicles of Narnia. And if you've never read those, you should. They're, you can read them to kids, but they're adult books. All right? But kids like them too. But there's so many things going on. Uh, and, and they're fascinating books. Well, in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, there's this thing where Eustace, um, he's, he's kind of... Uh, uh, he's like us all right he kind of is pretty selfish and self-centered and self-focused and um, he's causing a lot of problems and he uh, sort of leaves everybody and they're not even sure where he's gone and he 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 happens to see this dragon die in the story and all the treasure the dragon's treasure is left there and so Eustace climbs on the dragon treasure and he's got it all to himself and he's like I don't care about anybody else I finally got everything I want I got all this treasure it's really cool and, and uh, he's just sitting on this big pile of treasure and he puts a gold bracelet on his arm. Well, then he falls asleep. Well, when he wakes up, he's now a dragon. And he's in tremendous pain because this bracelet that he put on his little boy arm has turned into a dragon leg and it's cut into the skin and it's causing him tremendous pain. And the, and the pain is making him think and then he realizes how alone he is and how isolated he is and how miserable he really is. And he's just a wreck at that point. And then uh, in, in the story... Aslan the lion shows up. If you don't know Aslan in this story, he's Jesus. So Jesus shows up and offers him grace. And Eustace knows there's this pool of water there. If he could just get into this pool of water, it would somehow take away the pain and make things right. 
But Aslan says to him, well, you, have to, you have to get undressed first. And Eustace thinks, well, it's this dragon skin. I need to peel this dragon skin off. So, so Eustace tries to, and he's successfully peeling, he peels away a lever of this layer of this dragon skin, but what's left is still dragon skin, and it's horrible. And he, he can't get it away. And he tries it again another layer, and it's still just dragon skin. And uh, Aslan says to him, you have to let me peel it off. And he's not even sure what it means. And, you know, and in, the, in the story, it's a lion with big claws, and he's freaked out by the whole thing, but he says, okay, whatever at this point. And so Aslan goes in, and he starts to pull away dragon skin. And, and used to, it's so cool, he says something. He says, it was really painful, but there was something very comfortable in it. So, and you only get that when you're dealing with layers. It's not easy, but there's something really good about it. And Aslan's able to peel away this dragon skin, and then he puts him in the water, and then when he comes out of the water, he dresses him in new clothes, and he's a little boy again. It's a really cool picture of what Jesus is doing and wants to do in our lives. See, but we have to let him get to the root of the problem, and you can't do it without him. He's the one who does it. That's what that story's all about. So, let me quickly give you a practical thing, and just say about layers, all right? Now, this isn't about anybody, and I'm going to talk about a situation, and I'm going to come to a conclusion. Just if that's your situation when I start, my conclusion is not necessarily you. And so please don't let me offend you, and don't send me an email if I do, And because uh, I'm giving you a big write-off in the beginning. I just want you to see layers. So let's say someone comes, and, uh, and they say, hey, you know, um, my thing is that I'm lonely. And we say, okay, well... Uh, we, we like quick answers and quick fixes. Well, okay, if you're lonely, here's, here's what we suggest, you know, and we want to tell you that if you know Jesus, you don't really ever need to be lonely because you got Jesus with you, which is very true. But, uh, and we would like it if that just fixed everybody. That would be great, wouldn't it? That would be, wow, super. Uh, boom, fixed. Everything's good now. But generally, there's a little more. And so, you know, if we, if we press in a little bit and we would try and get to the, well, what do you mean by lonely? Well, I don't have any real friends. Oh. Well, Again, we like things kind of quick and, and quick solutions. Well, here's what you need. You need to be in a small group, which is a wonderful thing. You need to have a group of people that are around you. Here's a couple of numbers that you might come to. Come to church more often. Meet some people. Volunteer. These are all things you can do to sort of fix that, to find some real friends. Okay, great. And again, we would hope that would do it. But there's layers, right? And so so maybe we, we go back later and we say, well, you know, how's it going? And well, you know, really, the, the problem I have, I guess, is that, that, you know, I've been burned a lot by people. Oh. So then we might go, oh, well, so, you know, maybe there's some unforgiveness that, you know, that needs to be dealt with and we need to do some praying and, and we need to get into some of those things and maybe do that and a good thing and all those things. So far, all the good things. But, but we do some of that and, and then it's still not there. And, 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 when we, and so then we have to maybe go into, well, you know, the reality is that, that your expectation of people isn't right. Uh, and, and you sort of are expecting people to do things that they're not doing, but they're unrealistic expectations. And, and so they're not burning you, they're just sort of being people. And what you don't maybe realize is that relationships have a lot of compromise involved, and that it's not that they've been trying to be mean to you, that's just part of relationship, there's give on both ends, and you're not really sure how that works. So maybe the problem is, and be careful here, is that you're just a little bit selfish. Stunned silence. Maybe. I'm not saying that's why everybody that's lonely is selfish. You don't hear me say that. And, but, you know, at the same time, we're all a little bit selfish. It causes a lot of issues. But now we got something we can get to Jesus, see? Because he's uncovered it to the root. Jesus can deal with that. That's the kind of stuff that he does. Ah, see, that selfishness is an issue we all have. And he gets in there and he begins to heal it. And suddenly, you know, it begins to change our expectations of people and realize it's a lot more about 
not, you know, it's compromise and everybody has to, we have to be looking at that. And then maybe we begin to develop a few friendships that mean something and, and we have give and take. And even though they hurt us, maybe they don't mean to and we work through it and we're forgiving folks. And then we're not so lonely anymore and you see how it all sort of got put back together, all right? Well, that's true with most of the things that we think are the thing. It's something way behind the thing that needs to get dealt with. And so those are the things that we want to talk about over the next few weeks. So I'm going to stop there. Here's what you need to do. Think about those questions I asked you. And, and, you know, from the Scripture and just kind of wonder, you know, pray, meditate, spend some time and see, you know, if God speaks to you about those things and uh, then we'll press in some more in the weeks ahead. Amen? Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall? People on the way over that wall are here to pray for you. And uh, if you need prayer, we'll make sure that you get it. And then we'll have lunch. Oh, lunch is going to be really good today. Fajitas, tacos, all sorts of good stuff. You want to stay for lunch today. Let's pray. Papa, thank you for your love for us. You're such an awesome, awesome God. Thank you that you want us to experience life all in. And that your Spirit dwells in us to help us on this journey. To uncover the things that are keeping us from being all in. And Lord, I pray that you would just help us all to see what you're doing. And respond. And listen. It would peel away those layers, get to the root of those problems and heal them that we might have life. And I I pray, God, that not only would we be impacted, but that the world around us would be impacted for You. That You would bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area. That hundreds and thousands of people would come to know You as their Lord and Savior. We pray for every church in this area, God, where Your Word is preached. And ask that You would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission You've given them. We ask for your continued abundant blessing on us, God. To fulfill the mission you've given us of one more. Just one more lost child back to you, Dad. Just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You are an amazing God. If you need prayer for anything, folks over there be happy to pray for you. Healing, relationship, problems, finances, situations. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that too. It's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken, like all the rest of us, you've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you, which He'll do. And then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. If you need help, just go and ask someone. Say, I want to know Jesus. He'll know exactly what you need. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have lunch, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the support group tonight and the groups during the week. You're such an awesome God. We love you so much. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. We'll see you soon. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people.
So we can get one lost child back to dad. Prayer's over there. Lunch will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. See you later. Bye.